guys, welcome to another episode of Metal Mastermind. Co-founder, co-host Jason Stallworth, and also co-founder, co-host the great Dallas. Dude, what My is man. up? I'm great, man. I'm 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 thrilled. I uh, you know, at the time of recording this podcast episode, it is Friday, October 27th, and yeah. uh, AES is finishing up today. <laughs> Super so excited about it. What is AES? We're gonna, we're going to talk about we're going to talk about a lot about gear today. By the way, guys, so this is going to be a really fun episode. But what what does AES stand for? I've never been to this, Ken, and you you spent the past few days this week here. So, what what does that stand for? Uh, AES is the Audio Engineering Society. Um, and if you uh, have ever heard of NAM, the convention that is held across the United States and over also overseas oh, yeah. for musicians, it is uh, basically that for audio engineering. And um, AES is a great place to to connect, to see new things on the market. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a great time. <laughs> so audio, you know, audio equipment, audio engineering equipment, this is what makes us musicians sound a little bit better maybe than what we already sound like if if we're gonna you know be straightforward here i mean so you record your stuff you you record your album uh and you send it to someone who really is an audio engineer if, if we're talking about that aspect of it and they're going to do some things behind the scenes basically and, and all this gear is stuff that they're using um how how does this help us musicians though dude like how does like going to this event here how can you see this helping musicians like guitar players vocalists drummers that's a great question uh well one thing is for certain you can go and actually like touch and listen to some of the gear that you're you're at uh with some of these places you know for example if i go to telefunk and microphones i can hear all their entire line of microphones with headphones okay. and bounce between and see which one i actually like which is which is great um also, you can see kind of what are the uh, new developments in terms of home recording equipment. Focusrite was there. Shure Microphones was there. I mean, all of this stuff that, you know, are very affordable, uh, but also well-known. And they have really high, you know, integrity in their brand. Uh, you can go and see their new things. And you can talk to the representatives. And you can also find out what works better for your setup, you know, if you're having questions about that. And whether or not something that you're interested in buying would be you know, suitable for your setup. So, um, I mean, and, and the, the, it's a trade show. So there, and a lot of people are not going there that day to buy things. I think you can, but I don't, I, I don't really see a lot of people going like, I want to buy this right now. You know, um, it's not like uh, like a shop. It's more of just like here, an expo. Let's show you what's new. Um, and most of the time you walk away connecting with, uh, representatives and people in the industry and walking home and, you know, maybe, uh, furthering, you know, a nurturing of that. Connection. So it's kind of like a branding thing for these guys. They're, they're putting, really putting their brand out there. Here's the new products, knowing that this is going to be stuck in people's heads. And of course you've got, you've got influencers filming probably all over the place and you'll see oh, yeah. like YouTube videos on this. So I'm sure if you do a search on the AES uh, event here, you'll probably find some videos over the next few weeks. You know, you know, going back to like, I know we talked about mics. You said some mic, and, and it's, it's cool that that's included because, you know, no guitars are probably there, but you got microphones there. That's right. part of the audio part. Um, but hardware, I'm sure a lot of people were showcasing their hardware. How much hardware was there versus software being displayed? 
Oh, that's another good question. Um, hardware is pretty abundant. Uh, we saw a lot of analog gear. Uh, guys like Manly, uh, uh, AEA, a lot of people actually had a lot of hardware going on. Uh, but I really appreciated the software. Uh, software is really mm. special. What I noticed very uh, differently about this year versus last time, um, AES is a biennial thing, by the way. It's every two okay, years. Cool. Um, but um, with this particular trade show, I, I saw the importance of immersive audio. That was a huge, huge push uh, to show people why immersive is important and it's the future of where things are going when it comes to mixing, which is very interesting because for a long time, people have you know been aware of surround sound, but they're not... Yeah really implementing it, especially for music. It, music, it's very rare to hear anything in surround sound. But uh, with the uh, you know, Adobe Atmos, we've been starting to see a lot of people <laughs> pivot into creating immersive music uh, for everybody to hear, either through binaurally through your headphones or with a, you know elaborate surround sound setup at home or in a movie theater or wherever you're at. A very special format, and we can talk a little more about that if you want. Well, yeah, and so I, I want to talk about the Dolby Atmos, dude, because, I mean, you, you're, you're done with the Homeric project, mm-hmm. uh, the Circle of Dead Children, which is, which is killer, and I'm, I'm honored to have played guitar on that, and I love all the stuff you've been sharing with me, man. Uh, I love the Thank video you. stuff that you're doing. I know I'm getting off track here, but I'm, I'm generally excited about it because I know you've put your heart and soul into this for a long time, and the stuff, of course, I've heard the mixes, and... It, it's as professional as you could possibly get, but it doesn't sound like anything. On that note, though, you've got a Dolby Atmos version that you've either done or working on. How can you can you, can you talk a little bit about Dolby Atmos? Because I don't, I still don't understand the fullness of that. Sure. Uh, so the special thing about Atmos is the algorithm. Okay, that's the really key takeaway that people seem to forget. It's the algorithm that can. Uh, do what we call upfold or downfold. And what that means is I can take a, like a, a full on surround mix and downfold that into a stereo mix. And it'll translate the information that I have in my surround mix properly into a stereo mix. Right. Now that sounds very challenging and it is. And that's it why does. Dolby has been working. Dolby, by the way, if you didn't know, Dolby has been in the surround sound game. For probably about, uh, let's say, yeah, since about 1940s. So wow, dude. Wow. they've been around for a long time and they've been, they've worked on Fantasia. They've worked on everything ever since we had the first movie, which was Fantasia, by the way, in stereo. Okay. Dude. So a very, very important piece of history about Dolby. So Dolby's been working on this stuff for a long time. They have a lot of experience with it. And Atmos, I think it was launched in 2012, which is when we started to see, um, which, by the way, also launched with Disney. <laughs> right. um, uh, they, uh, they've been working on this for a long time now, and it's only now, about, yeah, about 10, 11 years later, we're, starting to, we're now seeing Dolby Atmos really take the, the, the industry by storm. Now, what does it do in this case, right? Because you have a, a format that um, people are like, well, is it, is it just like mixing in surround? Sort of. 
you know, quotes, <laughs> quote unquote, mm-hmm. sort of, um, because what you're doing is you're actually mixing into a, uh, 3d virtual world. That's what you're doing. Dude. So there's, there's this interplay between, uh, your, your studio session, right? Your, your pro tools, your logic, whichever you're using, it goes into this, the software called the Dolby Atmos renderer. Right. And that translates your mix in this 3D world that it's it's receiving and it formats it to your speaker setup and it'll your your speaker setup interprets it. Basically, it interprets how it's supposed to hear your mix. So if I'm mixing in Dolby Atmos, I can mix theoretically for an infinite amount of possibilities, but I can monitor it with the current setup that I have at home. Right. So my studio is a. 5.1.2 5.1.2 setup, which is a five speakers all around, one subwoofer, and then two speakers above me. So that's my 5.1.2 setup. That Ooh. kind of translates the information that I'm doing in this 3D world, right? It, that's how it's that's how it's receiving information. If I go to a 7.1.4 studio or an 11.2.6 studio, it doesn't matter, right? With all these different speaker arrangements. Or even just putting on headphones. Dolby Atmos will say, okay, the metadata that's with all these placements of your panning, right? Metadata is just data about data, right? So it's just all this information that I've put around myself as the listener, right? I've got, you know, this one sound effect that flies over me or this one sound effect circles around me or whatever it is, right? Whatever you're doing that you're moving this object around. It takes that information and it says, okay, now if we're going to go from 11.2.6 down to 5.1.2, this is how we're going to have to downfold it so that it sounds accurate, Hmm. right? So all that information, all this algorithmic stuff that I'm talking about, that's the special thing because now we can make any mix one time and we can put it into in a format where wherever I listen to it, I'll hear either the binaural version if I'm wearing Dolby Atmos enabled headphones, or I'm listening to just the stereo version with just a computer screen, or I've got an entire surround sound set up with a sound bar uh, at home or at a theater. It doesn't matter. It will work anyway. That's the special thing about it. So it's going to know automatically what system is going to detect what system that you have at that moment, and it's going to act accordingly, pretty much. Yep. Yep. Now, now here's the question, because I was going to ask you, how, how is this different from, you know, most of us listen to headphones, uh, just regular old headphones. You know, I've got some old, <laughs> some old uh, AKG 301 headphones here on, on me. I've had those for a couple of decades now. They've even worn off here. Uh, so there's a stereo headphones, right? And most of the Apple pods that we listen to and, and whatever headsets, you, you know, you're doing whatever. You're on the train uh, if you live in New York with Ken or if you're in the gym or something like that. Because that was going to be one of my questions, Ken, was, was how does that translate over to the everyday normal system? But I think you just explained it. It's going to detect what you're listening with. And it's going to appropriate those those pannings and sounds accordingly. And I guess you have to kind of configure all that as you're mixing. So not only are you mixing for Dolby Atmos, you're also kind of like trying to configure, well, what if you have this, right? Or does it do that automatically? It's automatically. It's okay, automatic. okay, gotcha, it's gotcha. So okay. easy in that case. Man, wow. Which, which so is why, you, 
Yeah, which is why you see a lot of devices. And, you know, if you ever go to a Best Buy or something like that, you'll see Dolby Atmos on like a soundbar. And when it says that, it means it has the Dolby Atmos chip, which is super cheap to make. And they just plug it in there and it just reads the information and it reads any metadata that might be coming from that mix that's an Atmos. And then it'll just play accordingly to what the soundbar or whatever system it is or receiver that you have will play accordingly. So, Ken, is it worth it to, let's say, just the independent artists who are coming out with their single, uh, they're, they're, they're working on an album, they don't have a lot of money, right? You know, they're just kind of, you know, scraping it together to probably probably doing most of the mixing themselves. Is it worth it uh, for people to think about Dolby Atmos with their music, with just their, their metal music and their albums? Um, what are your thoughts on that? We had this discussion uh, at AES. Um, okay. my, uh, the discussion that I went to was, uh, actually with Neumann. So they had, uh, Michael Romanowski and Justin Gray. These are immersive audio mixers. They're at the, the forefront of this technology. And they had some very interesting thoughts about it. And one of the things that they asked was when you are mixing, are you starting a project intending for it to be an immersive project and then they had a show of hands right who's who's doing immersive or who's who's not intending on doing immersive when they start a project okay and then the second question they ask is are the recording techniques that you're doing thinking about immersive in mind it's like no <laughs> a lot of people now which is very interesting. And it was like, uh-huh. So, you know, cause this was a room full of educators and we're all yeah. thinking we're like, we, you know, we come here because we have to, we have to see what's the newest of the technology that could have the biggest impact on the, the industry, right? That's what AES for educators and stuff like me. And that's what it's for. So I go and I'm listening to this. I'm like, you know, that's a good point, you know, cause we're always thinking about stereo yeah. and how things fit in stereo. And the, some of the micing techniques that we're using are because we're thinking stereo. <laughs> you know, two microphones. Yeah, left and right. Okay, yeah, I, I get it. <laughs> but we don't really think about like, hey, rather than having, you know, stereo overheads, now we can think about seriously doing something like quad overheads. Oh, wow. Never really, yeah. never really occurs to you to think about doing stuff like that. But it's like, oh, wait, we can actually do that. You know, so part of this is about experimentation because this is a new, new style of actually mixing, but it could also entirely mean a change of how we decide to record as well. And so I think it really matters on whether or not you approach your new project, your new album, uh, whether or not you're going in for the immersive experience of it. Now, you know, from my experience, I recorded Homeric with traditional stereo techniques with the intention that I was going to put it in Atmos. But I also knew uh, some of the limitations that I had at the time because, one, when I started the Circle of Dead Children, I wasn't, I didn't have Atmos, okay? Or Atmos wasn't something that I, I had acquired yet. 
And I actually recorded about a year before I actually even started to get any pieces of gear that were for apps, including the software. So I was already with a project that had a traditional stereo technique in terms of recording. And I had to now think about how to use this in the concept of immersive. So that's my instance, right? Now, how to, how to, how to go around that? You can use stuff like uh, immersive reverbs. By the way, even Tide just came out with uh, an amazing set of plugins, uh, micro pitch and black hole. That's their, uh, their reverb, black holes, their reverb. Uh, that stuff sounds amazing and immersive because it really just upfolds the entire spectrum all around you. And it does so natively in Atmo. So you don't even have to, you know, really worry about how it's going to translate. It just, it just does natively. That's awesome. So going, going to the question again, though, of whether or not somebody who's new trying to do something immersive well, you have a unique opportunity, first off. Yeah. Never in this industry before have we had an opportunity where uh, gear was at the lowest of its pricing categories for the technology. Best bang for your buck. We've never had such good gear for such a low price. And then you're coming into this maybe with some fresh ears that mm. you don't have to uh, follow the traditional stereo recording techniques to make a good Atmos product. You can go completely different and you can try to look at it from the immersive standpoint. And by the way, right? So here's the thing. Atmos is uh, so a multi-channel format where you can basically use mono to its fullest extent because the more monoized something is, right? Saying like you got one snare mic, you know, one kick drum mic, one guitar mic, one this, one that. I could actually use that as point source, right? Pieces of, of, of information in my mix. Hand them anywhere I want. And the more localized that sound is, the more I can discern exactly its place in the mix so i oh, can be I like very that. very creative on how i decide to use panning with its full scope around it's 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 quite an amazing way to sort of start thinking about you know creating a project because now you might go ahead and record something with the intention of how it's going to be an atmos so for for a guitar player like myself and i'm just trying to kind of uh bring this down to to my level you know uh mm -hmm. if i were recording a, a guitar like i would just say i already recorded you know i typically record two rhythm tracks a harp in each one but with atmos i could say you know i want these guitars to be just front and center right but maybe up here in these speakers behind me maybe i want a little bit of that guitar with a more ambient sound so i add this real spacey reverb to that part of the mix up there yeah is that is that something that's possible yeah. something we've already totally. recorded Totally. And I know totally. you, with the intent of, you know, you, weren't, you didn't really have the intent of Atmos in mind, uh, not, not wholly anyway, but your music, Ken, is very orchestrated. Yeah, you've got the heavy guitars, you've got, you've got clean vocals, you've got death metal vocals, it, it's a mixture of some really cool stuff. But on top of that, I think with the orchestration, and tell me I'm wrong, if I'm wrong, uh, 
tell me I'm wrong. You're wrong, Jason, but tell me if I'm wrong. You've got the orchestration. What's made it might have made it a little easier to work with as far as getting ideas on where to place things. Yeah, uh, well, I can make the orchestra sound as big as an orchestra. <laughs> right, right. You know, here's the thing, right? Like when I was listening and comparing my stereo mixes in Atmos, I was, I was like, man, every time I go from stereo to you know, multi-channel, it, it sounds like I've just opened Pandora's box and everything is Man. outside now. And I just feel the entire ambiance of it being around me. And it's, it's an amazing feeling because you, you, you see where the limitations of stereo get you in terms of putting you into the moment of the world, right? So, and here's, and here's the thing, right? Um, loudness is a, is a totally different, uh, conversation as well now because loudness in in stereo we've been doing it for the core reason honestly of record labels trying to get their stuff sounding louder than the next guy on on the radio but oh, yeah <laughs> with with atmos they're actually super super stringent on uh those uh parameters so when you're submitting something in atmos it's not even as loud as a stereo track at its lowest rank on iTunes, you know, which I believe we're at at minus 16 on Apple Music or iTunes, whatever. And Atmos is actually at minus 18. So you have even more dynamic range with Atmos. Oh. And it makes sense to me too, now that I'm, I'm listening to, to this, because what makes Atmos really, really amazing is actually transient detail. It's transient response. It's the beginning of a sound, that thing that we always chop off the peaks when we get loud. Oh, yes. Yeah. Right. You ever look at a master track and it just looks like a fat sausage, right? Yes, dude. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And it's like, well, you know what? Like, I mean, and some might argue like that's a tone. And yeah, I, I would agree. It is a tone. And we've been accustomed to that for a long time. But now with Atmos, and that transient detail is super, super important because the first piece of information from a sound, that peak, that transient, it's always going to tell you uh, information about the sound itself first. And then it's also its location is highly dependent on. So that immersive, you know, things coming from around you and all that kind of stuff. If you want to have that, you know, localization effect where you're feeling where things are, you know, panning around, you know, that kind of stuff. It's, it's super important to have that transient detail. You know what this so, is going to do, Ken? This is going to, this is going to create some just diehard cult following music loving fans, I believe, because what everything you're explaining, it's meant to place you into this world and, and back to your album, Homeric, your project here. You're creating worlds, right? So it make it makes sense for you to do this. And I would also say if you plan to have your music in film and movies, if if it's that type of music, especially if there's some you know, some orchestration and ambient parts, I think it's definitely important to think about. One one guitar question I want to ask, dude, on, on Atmos, because we're talking about recording. You say this this will change the way we think about recording. Let's say I've got this guitar track. I'm micing my amp, you know. I just got one mic on the amp. That's fine. That's that's all I really want, because it's a rhythm track. I could set up maybe another mic a little further away from the amp, maybe two more room mics, and use Atmos to place those other mics in different parts of the world totally right, right. that we're calling it here. 
Yeah. You know what this makes me want to do, man? This makes, uh, this makes, I think makes me and Ken both want to start a metal mastermind studio and just build a a big ass studio, dude. And, uh, set it up for Atmos (laughs) (laughs) mixing. I'm I'm excited about this now because I, you know, we all get into our music, right? We all like, we allow it to take us away, take us to that other world. And now we've got a completely new listening experience. Um, and my, now, by the way, you know, we're not selling any products on here. I know I probably sound like I'm trying to promote something, man, but I'm, I'm generally excited about it. The more, the more I understand what it is now. Uh, and like my album, Overcometh, it's not, Matt, it's not mixed in Atmos. Will I go back and do that at some point? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know, man. But it just, it does have me thinking. And it's got us thinking uh, just about some new ideas for the future, man. Well, you know, that's a, that's a great, response and i'm i'm happy that you feel that way because that was a huge um a huge thing uh i think some people have the hesitancy of saying atmos is just a fad uh for the for for valid reasons because in the past we've tried quad you know we've tried 5.1 and you know it never really caught on with music but what makes atmos so different and why is like apple pushing Atmos on its consumer base like crazy now. Well, it's because of this algorithm. Because with 5.1, I couldn't fold down 5.1 automatically to make a stereo mix for somebody in binaural. I couldn't do that before, but now I can with Atmos. Okay? I could could honestly keep mixing 5.1 using the Atmos renderer Mm -hmm. and just, you know, keep everything traditional. I haven't changed a thing. Uh, from mixing traditionally in 5.1. And that will still translate to stereo for somebody or to, to binaural for somebody now because of Atmos, because of the technology rendering. So that's the, that's the key thing about this. It's not that, oh, you know, we're trying some surround format just like we've always done. This is it's not like different. we've always done. This is not yeah. like that. This is something way bigger than that. This is the key. This is the key to making music its most realized self. Because music is always in surround in the world. <laughs> we don't think about it, you know, but if you go into a, a bar and mm-hmm. somebody's playing an acoustic gig like Jason yeah. Stallworth here, oh, you're yeah. hearing Plenty that in Atmos. You're hearing you are, that in yeah. Atmos. Because everything's walls, around yeah. you. <laughs> the reverb, the hall, the the bar, yeah, people chatting behind you. It's all around you. Uh, but now you have the option of really tailoring and creating this experience that sounds like nothing ever before. So I think it's the future is very bright when it comes to the creation of music. Because now artists are going to be thinking, and of course, younger artists, who don't have the biases of what we've been always doing in stereo, they're going to think in, they're going to think in ways that a traditional recordist never would. Um, and then there are also, you know, people like uh, you and I who are, are spearheading, you know, getting the word out and trying to teach people about, you know, microphone technique or just things in general that we have to also learn this technology too because we have to know how to properly use it. We have, yeah. to, we have to also be able to better educate ourselves so that when we talk to other people, they understand exactly why it's important. That's another reason too. So, That's great, uh, man. Yeah. 
I look at I look at all of this and I say, um, <laughs> you know, I'll tell you this. This is just like a a little personal secret that I've kind of kept to myself for a long time. But I've always like I used to always say, man, I really felt like I was born at the wrong time because I was always like, you know, oh, the golden era of rock and roll was in the eighties. I, <laughs> I was born in ninety two, and so I'm 92. like, two. I was graduating I, high school a year after you were born, dude. Yeah. So I'm like, you know. <laughs> I, like I always, I've always, I've always also related to um, older folk, and obviously, clearly, this is one of the older folks that I relate to. So I'm always like, damn, like I was always born a little, just a little too late. But you know, thinking about with immersive, I actually now have retracted that statement, yeah. and I, I really feel that I was born at the perfect time because you're helping now, me retract that too, man. I, I, I totally get you, dude. I mean. Yeah, but now I, I felt we're the same position, way. We're in a yeah. position now where we have, well, I, I mean, like I have, I have acquired Atmos in my studio and I've, I've yep. developed it over the period of like three years right now to a place where I really, really like it. You're comfortable um, with it now. And I'm comfortable with it. And uh, yeah, that was so worth it because now here I am as a, as a, as a, as an artist in the independent music scene. Yeah. creating some quality content that other people might be able to use as a way to follow into how to create something new and different and create an experience that goes beyond the traditional formats that is still, you know, it sounds great on stereo, you know, which by the way, you do have to upload a native stereo mix alongside your Atmos mix. Oh, okay. So, so, okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. That is, that is, that is a requirement and you can do it through the Atmos render. You can just say, just print a stereo re-render, they call it. It's just a stereo printed version of the right. Atmos. So you could do yeah. that. Um, oh, Ken, will but, you take your mix though? you like your original mix. That's not mixed in Atmos. Will you take that and use that as your stereo mix? So you can do that. Okay. You can totally do that. Um, uh, and I went, through uh using i actually mixed my album first in stereo right, right. and so I, I i mixed it and i used my stereo mix as the native stereo mix okay perfect, um, perfect. which which i think in many ways has its advantages um there's also a, a a difference though uh when it comes to perspective and how you approached the mix because when i did my stereo mix I treated it as stereo. I didn't come to my stereo mix from an immersive mix first. Right, right. You know? So if I'm, and this is what I'm planning on doing next time, is to come from the immersive mix first and oh, just yes. hear it as it would be in its full potential and then downsize to stereo from that. Because that immersive mix, I'm going to make some different decisions, you know, because that's where my creativity is fostering first. In stereo, it's a different it's a different thing, right? So I can go in and tweak stereo after my immersive mix. But from this case, I mixed in stereo and I upfolded into immersive, which is a, a, a way to do it too. You know, it's not it's not wrong. <laughs> we just we don't have any clear uh, guidelines here as of yet. You know, in terms of doing Atmos. Uh, as a standard in uh, in the world of music, we're still experimenting. Uh, we got guys that are doing it one way and somebody doing it completely different, which is cool. 
you know um but yeah i think i think we're coming to a point where that's that's going to be uh, an important decision uh in how you decide to create your music and how you do it is again it's it's not necessarily wrong it's it's how if it sounds good to you it sounds good right we have to start going on a far instinct and deciding you know that whether our instinct is telling us something is wrong or right and i honestly think that's a very very important piece of intuition that everybody moving forward into this industry needs to start garnering it's most important ken i mean you nailed it and it's exactly what we what we encourage on metal mastermind we always end by saying one thing create your own sound guys and i've said this before you know um, on my own platform that I believe if you have a pure heart and pure intentions that your intuition will guide you in the right direction, but it's hard mm-hmm. to have those pure intentions and, and, and have that wholeness within you when you're constantly comparing yourself to other people, to other bands. Uh, the, the greatest of songs, the ones that stand out, the bands that stand out are typically, not, not in all cases, but are typically the bands that don't sound like anything else. And I'm not talking about from a standpoint of popularity so much. Right, we're not talking about pop music, and I'm not even really talking about metal songs. Right, I'm not like Metallica's Master of Puppets, iconic album. I love it, uh, and I'm not going to say it sounds like anything else. It doesn't. It's its own thing. But there are bands out there. One of my favorite bands, and you guys may or may not even know them, but it's Evergrey. They're uh, they're from Finland. Uh, Tom England, he's the songwriter, the, the the owner, I guess you could say, of Evergrey. I love their music. And to me, he's created his own subgenre of music right based on his own tuition doesn't sound like anything else he's not trying to sound like anyone else it's just him uh it's his music so in winter sun you know ken we've talked about that on here you you had that as, as your metal song of the week which we're about to get to uh in, in a moment here but um you know i think that guy runs the project on his own and doesn't really sound like anything else so i mean i, I say that to just really encourage you guys to don't worry so much if your music fits a, a subgenre or if it doesn't. You know, my new album coming out, uh, I've got one death metal vocal song on there that doesn't sound, it doesn't even sound like it belongs on the album. And I'm like, you know what? To me, it does. And the fact that it doesn't belong, well, the song is called The Damned, like you you don't belong. So it kind of makes sense. It's kind of a metaphor. What I want to say about Atmos, though, Ken, what I love the most about this idea uh, is what I love about music is all the nuances and and the little dynamics that you can add to that you know you were talking about the loudness war where you see the the master track and everything's just kind of peaked out there and it almost sounds like it's just at the tip of going overboard of like you know crashing or something you know whereas when you have what we're talking about here what you just explained and thank you so much for explaining this to me and to every everyone listening right now because uh, I, I believe not only is it the future, anytime we say something's the future, well, it's, it's kind of already here. But with this, you're going to hear those dynamics all over the place, right? So, and that's what I love about music. It's those, you know, it's those little, like those little licks you, you'll hear in a song that aren't necessarily front and center, but just this little thing that the guitar does here or there, something you hear kind of in the background. I think this is going to allow that to uh, to just be even more of that, more of a dynamic experience. So. Yeah, it's pretty exciting, man. This stuff is uh, is, is over my head, but it's cool. I'm super happy that you feel that way. Um, It was definitely an eye-opening thing uh, this time around at AES, and I'm glad I went. I'm glad I also brought all my students, too. (laughs) That is, yeah. It's important important to see these things in action and where the industry is deciding to take it. 
right? So, um, you know, we, we can't be, you know, everywhere and at the same place at every time. But uh, for moments like these, uh, that's what I cherish. And that's what I really, really appreciate about the community that I'm in. And, uh, you know, I try to share that here with you guys at Metal Mastermind because obviously Jason and I, we built this. So we want it to be the best of the best resource uh, for any metal musician that's out there. And that's why we do what we do. We, we, we teach uh, you guys about everything there is to know about being a metal musician, an independent metal musician for that. And uh, trying to take it to the next level. How can you advance yourself in the next level? For, well, guess what? Right. Jason and I, we're always trying to get to the next level in some way, shape, or form. And in this way, right, this isn't our mixing. It's in our, it's in our production value. It's in, it's in becoming, you know, uh, you know a, a beacon for others to be able to follow in those footsteps and to show that there is a path to doing this, right? So uh, that's what we want to do here. Uh, that's why I believe uh, what we're doing right now with Immersive is so important uh, because this is a critical time a very, very critical time in how the industry decides to move forward with immersive. So, uh, you know, and you, you've got your guys here at the forefront. So, <laughs> it is awesome. One, one thing I'll say to the older folks I mean, I'm, I'm 48, you know, we're talking about age difference. And Ken, you mentioned earlier uh, how you thought you were born in the wrong era. Me being 48, I picked up the guitar at 15 years old in 1989, towards the end of 89. I always wished throughout my life that I were uh, that I had been 10 years older because like you said that really golden era of the 70s and 80s to see iconic music and I think there there are more than one reason I think there are a lot of reasons why the music was so iconic uh, radio was different back then oftentimes the radio told us what was good right uh, of course we'll dig into records and all that stuff and that's how we discovered you know our our, our metal albums and such uh, a lot of the metal stuff was not on the radio but uh, it was just different, man. I don't know. It was just different. So I, I often thought, you know, I was hanging out with the guys from Siren. They're all about 10 years older than me, some a little older than that. Uh, the guys from, uh, hung out with David Austin recently from Nasty Savage. He's got a new project coming out next year called DNA. Uh, and a couple other bands, you know, and we're talking about that. They, they're very good friends with the guys in Obituary who are from Tampa here, the area. Uh, and I'm just like, man, I, I wish I had been part of that as a musician, you know. And uh, so I, I, you know, I don't regret what age I am, just like you can. But I've I've learned to embrace uh, that where we're at now is a beautiful thing, and it's up to us, I think, to make something new. You know, we're right. talking about. Uh, we're just, I was at a dinner the other night at a record signing with with Siren and Oblivion. Uh, their you know their label guy Frank Headbanger. He's called Frank Headbanger. He's from Germany of FHM Records. And we're and I was I was on the table there signing records for their fans and that sort of thing and it was cool and we're talking about man we need to bring the metal scene back to Tampa because this was like you know back in the 80s before I was even in Tampa this is the metal capital of the world uh, but I'm, I I thought about that I'm like you know I, I don't want to bring back something that's old I want to create something new I mean yeah I welcome the older bands I, I want to hear them but I don't you know can I and this is mainly for the older folks my age and up or whatever I don't want to be stuck in the past. You know, I'm always going to listen to some old music. I love it. I love the old Van Halen, man. You know, I love old stuff. Um, I love the old, you know, uh, Doug from Siren. He brought a Venom album, the first Venom album. They're like the, the original black metal band, you know. Um, but I don't, I don't want to be stuck in the past. I don't want to be so stuck in the past that I can't accept 
and find ways to move forward and find ways to create with new things. So this Atmos thing is new and I'm going to embrace the hell out of it, dude, because it sounds amazing. And uh, there'll be something probably new after that in 10, 20 years, who knows? But I don't know. I just want to encourage the guys my age and up the older folks to, you know, don't, don't throw out the window, the things that are new coming up just because it's not what you're used to. Yeah. Hopefully that I'll makes say sense. Too, I'll say this too. Back uh, in the fifties, um, there was a thing called stereo. <laughs> mm, that's right, dude. Yeah. <laughs> when that came out, right. Some people were just like, well, why do we have to go to stereo? Isn't mono just enough? Yeah. And then <laughs> you listen to it and then you're just like, oh, wait, there is actually a difference here (laughs) big difference yeah i honestly i honestly if you if you if you've never listened to an immersive experience properly um when this this could be like just going into a movie theater okay like a Mm. a traditional movie versus a movie that's an atmos or even you know if you have the ability to go into a studio and actually hear like a really high quality immersive setup that's a really really good great way to do it but like for example, more sound is Atmos now in Tampa, Atmos, in, yeah. in Florida, yeah. right? Are they in Tampa? They're in Tampa um, here, yeah. Yeah, right. So you can go and 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 book time and see how how, how an Atmos session sounds, and uh, you'll you'll see the value in it just by doing that. Because um, mm. the I, I, actually one of the demonstrations that they used at that AES event with Neumann um, was an older tune. I forgot exactly who it was, um, but somebody goes and says you know don't you feel kind of weird taking something that was you know a little bit more old it's kind of been set in its way you know it's like don't you feel weird doing that and doing something like this to it which it wasn't intended for and it's like well you that's a great question one because the, the premise of that is when they when they made that record this was not even a thought to no. make it in immersive, but does going in immersive with this actually bring more out of the music than it was intentionally created when it was in stereo and where those EQs and compressors and all the stuff that they were trying to do for stereo, does that play a part anymore? If we're doing it in immersive, would it sound more natural, more organic? Maybe that was the case. Mm. You know, so it was a great, great perspective because now you're thinking, you know, it's like because a lot of these mixes that are that are coming out have been remixed, yeah. you know, from these high, high top tier industry, uh, industry mixers. They're doing them in Atmos and you're you're listening to it and you're just like, hmm, well, maybe in this song, it doesn't make sense. But maybe in this song, it makes the perfect sense. So it's. The question is, like, is it necessary? Well, I think that's depending on the artist's vision, right? You know, not everything needs to be an app, for sure. But, you know, you could say maybe the same thing might be for stereo, too. (laughs) In the opposite way, maybe music was intended to be an immersive and not in stereo, you know? So it's trying to think of it vice versa, right? Was this the intended format? To, to really hear what you're supposed to hear. Uh, it's just an interesting perspective and question to, to think about moving forward. And uh, if you're curious about getting to do Atmos, uh, you can get it for, I think, uh, just about 300 bucks just for the software. 
And I think um, if you want to get the album assembler, which is their mastering software, I think it's about an additional hundred bucks. So, man, this is not expensive. Um, Ken, are you going to do a course on this? I, I, I know I'm probably asking yeah, this prematurely. I will but, be doing a course on Atmos. Okay, on Metal Mastermind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Of course. Uh, Metal Atmos Master, dude. Yeah, that'd be cool. So, uh, yes, after this record is, is all done and released and all that stuff, I am doing actually uh, several iterations of my Atmos mix, trying different things, man, awesome. seeing what works yeah. the best. And then you guys will definitely be able to hear that in that course. But, you know, stay tuned. Uh, Adobe Atmos mixing course will be coming out on Metal Mastermind. I love it, man. That's great, dude. And, you know, like we only we only use what's available at the time. You made a good point. Like back then, you know, in the 70s or, where, you know, whenever, if this technology were available, you'd, you'd better believe they'd probably be using it or at least try it. And, hey, if you don't like it, you don't have to use it. But, I mean, come on. We only – this is why you cannot be stuck in the past. You cannot be so set in your ways. You can appreciate the past for what it is, and you can still have that and embrace it. But don't let the past hold you back. And this is a completely other conversation we could go down, you know. But, um, you know, I'm excited about this stuff, man. This is um, this is cool stuff. You know, if you're going to record something just simple, I could see like, hey, if, if I'm just going to go on a mountaintop, you know, we, lo- we love the mountains in Nashville, North Carolina. We go there uh, at least once a year. And I brought my acoustic up there. Hey, I'd record something just me singing and playing guitar. Maybe I want that raw. Maybe an at or maybe not an at most, maybe not even stereo, right? So it goes back to what is your vision for your music? Do you want more dynamics in your music? Do you want those to be heard and experienced versus is it just a song? Is it just something kind of simple that can be in stereo or whatever? So just a, just another point. But good stuff, dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm really excited about Atmos and I'm glad you are too, sir. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we did this today, man. I learned a lot today. Um, so, dude, if, if you don't have anything else uh, in regards to Atmos, more to come on that. But do you have a metal song of the week? Yeah, I uh, actually, I, I just recently worked on this record. Uh, it's right, a sure. band called Hero and the Horror. Mm-hmm. Uh, check it out. Their new single is out. It's called On Fire. Amazing, amazing. Uh, we actually... Um, had a collaboration with the guitarist from Killswitch Engage on this too. He uh, oh, cool. he did a lot of the guitar production, uh, Joel. Uh, so I'm just really really excited for this release. And here in the horror, they're like they're like brothers. They're amazing people. Uh, Western Mass type of uh, metal band, and uh, yeah, they're they're coming out with their their new album uh, real soon. So stay on the lookout. Look up Hero and the Horror. Yeah, it's a good tune. I, I enjoyed that, man, which you shared with me the other day. So good stuff coming out. Uh, I got a tune called A Virtual World, and it's the album, album title track by a band called Metal Light. Light spelled I. It's like one word, metal, and then light is L-I-T-E. And I never really heard of them before, um, just kind of on a random radio station, iTunes radio station here. So that was released in 2021. But, you know, we're talking about different worlds well this is a virtual world so pretty cool stuff (laughs) but guys we want to say we do appreciate you hanging out with us at metal mastermind it always feels like um you know that we're we're hanging out with you like we're in this uh big convention center or or, i don't know small studio or even a coffee or beer shop or whatever who knows (laughs) yeah let's pretend we're at a brewery we're just hanging out though man talking about stuff we love and learning from one another so guys be encouraged also check out metalmastermind.com 
We have courses for metal musicians out there, as you guys know. Do check those out. Vocals, guitar, production. Uh, can you even have a course on how to build a professional studio on there? So do check that out at metalmastermind.com. Guys, and as always, create your own sound.